Well, as I, as I mentioned there, I think kids do provide a wonderful um, source of learning material. And um, I've learned a lot about God. And I'm sure God's taught me and he's used my children to teach me. And I'd like to just share some of those thoughts with you now, all based around John 3.16. And that can be found on page 1066, um, which might be a date that has other connotations. But we'll be looking at John 3.16. And in particular, I'd like to draw five lessons from John 3.16. Five lessons... Um, that I feel I've revisited, they, they might be lessons that we, a lot of us will say, well, I know that, it's nothing new. But sometimes it's good to see these things again and afresh and be inspired again and set on fire, really, by these things again. So John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life now there are five things in there I'd like us to pick up on and the first is in that first part. For God so loved the world. God's love for the world is immense. And I come to realize it's greater than I can possibly know. Because 18 years ago, when my first daughter was born, I can vividly remember being sat beside her, a few hours old, all the hubbub and palaver, and those of you that are experienced about these things will know, it's chaos, it seems to be masses of people around, and suddenly it was just me and her. And within me, I could feel this sense of I would do anything for this little person. If she needed protecting, caring for, if she needed anything to eat, drink, whatever, I I would do it. I would be there. I would provide, I would protect, I would care. I'd do anything. And I didn't notice anything of what was going on around me. I couldn't tell you anything else about that room. Nothing. But she was there and I was there. And there was an all-consuming love. Some of you will know as well that we foster. And back in November 2013, Sarah and Ashley were placed with us. It was an emergency. The police delivered them to our doorstep. We knew their name, we knew their ages. They were four and coming up for two. That's all we knew. Never met them before. Two police officers came in, 
said, here you are, here are the children, um, someone will be in touch. And as they were walking out the door, literally it was a minute or two, they were there, I said, is, is there anything we should know? Like, are there any medical conditions? Are there, you know, is there anything we should know? No, don't know. Someone will be in touch. And they went. Here we had two children. And immediately, the feelings I had were very similar, actually. I would care for, protect. I would provide. I had to nip off to Sainsbury's and get some pyjamas. That was the first thing. But I would provide. I would do it. There's this almost crazy love going on. But it's nowhere near the love that God has for his world. It consumes me. It's all I can bear or imagine or experience. But it's not as big as God's love. But it is a reflection, albeit a pale one maybe, of God's love for his world, for this city, for this church, for you, for me. How much does God love the world then? As we look around, we might be thinking, well, hold on a minute. God loves this place. Look at all the stuff going on. You must be joking. There's wars, there's famines, there's volcanoes erupting. There's floods everywhere. That's not really a God of love. But what does this verse say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His one and only son. And my second lesson that I'd like to draw from this is really that I don't have to be taught to do or experience wrong things. But I do need saving from them. Whether it be something external um, or whether it be something I'm born with. God didn't just create the world and turn his back on it and say, well, it would be interesting to come back in a few millennia and see how it's going. That wasn't the way it worked. But we have this problem because God seems to see the need to give us his son, Jesus Christ. We all know the Christmas story. He's kind of given this baby, but the baby grows up and ends up being crucified. And that's the real giving. Why? My son... Samuel, he's 12 years old, and he likes chocolate. He even likes cooking chocolate. You know the 35p a bar, everyday value stuff? It's good for making chocolate sauce, but you wouldn't necessarily break a bit off and eat it. He does. That'll do, he likes that. So when I find wrappers lying around of this chocolate, and I say to him, Samuel, why didn't you put your chocolate wrapper in the bin? What? was me? I didn't do that. It's not mine. Samuel, you're the only one that likes it. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, but someone else might like it now. 
Samuel, you're the only one here. <laughs> oh, well, it could have been there ages. And I get all this, Samuel, it's, it's a lie. You don't have to lie. You know what I'm like. You know what you're like. You don't have to lie. Just, I'm not lying. <laughs> Where does all that come from? I've got a lovely daughter, Emma. She's nine years old. She's lovely. She's wonderful. But if you ask her to tidy her room, my goodness, you do see a completely different person. Someone who's prepared to lie on the floor, thump their fists and bang their knees and shout and scream, I'm not doing it. A stubborn refusal. I'm only asking you to tidy your room. It's going to take five minutes. And then, just last week, we were in our tent at New Wine. It's the day off. So I decide to get up early and cook my kids some breakfast. I know they like bacon and scrambled egg, so I did all this, and they're all sat around enjoying their bacon and egg. Not only that, they like hot chocolate with marshmallows when you're camping. We had all of that, and they were loving it, and it was all good and everything. And then Vicky, who is seven, and one of our foster children started arguing with her sister, Katie, who's nine. And she seemed to get something in her head that she just wouldn't let go. And she was kind of spoiling the whole thing. So I gave her a warning and then said, look, Vicky, if that's carrying on, you need to go to your compartment in the tent. You know, on your own. This is all of six feet away from us. <laughs> but nevertheless, she carried on and I sent her to a bit of the tent. And then there was a meltdown. She was screaming and shouting. And what she was screaming and shouting was this. You don't love me. You hate me. I'm going to scratch you. I was really taken aback. Like, what? I just cooked you all this breakfast. This day. Um, you know I love you. I'm constantly telling you I love you. And you're throwing all this back. Why? What on earth is going on? And then I thought, well, maybe, hold on, maybe it's just my kids. Maybe it really is just me and my kids. Everyone else is okay. Let's turn to Romans 3, 23, um, which is on page 1,131. And to answer that, this is a really encouraging one for me because page 1131, Romans 3 and verse 23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Oh, well, that's okay then. If it's, it's not just my, my kids. It's everybody's kids. Hold on. It's not just kids. It's all. It's me. It's actually me. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sinned is a bit extreme, isn't it? Come on, they're just being kids. That's what they do. 
And then I look at the way I respond to God. Do I have screaming tantrums? Do I say to God things like this? You can't love me because of this. What's going on? I wonder, is it this attitude, this sinful approach? All have sinned. Paul, as he writes to the Romans, is he being strong here? He's saying all sinned. Sinned is falling short of God's mark. It's either by something we do or something we don't do. And it, the Bible here says we've all done it. So that means skin, uh, sin is part of our identity, just like skin. We're born with it. We are actually born with sin. And that's why God gave his one and only son. So my second lesson from this, I don't have to be taught to do wrong. I see that in my children. I'm sure my parents saw it in me. But I need saving from it. There's a cost to that. And the cost that God has paid is Christ on the cross. So God loves the world. God has given his son to pay. That whoever believes in him, whoever, and this is my third lesson, other than sin, People are totally different in every respect. But God's offer is open to everyone. So although that sin seems pretty bad, and it is, it's actually our unifying factor. It's the thing that puts us all in the same place. My daughter, Emma, is a real people person, I think. And I'm not, very, I'm not very good at this because I don't think I generally am. I'm usually pretty rubbish at remembering certain things and taking uh, other people, interpreting people's feelings. and all. I'm not particularly good at that, but my daughter, Emma, seems to have a knack for it. She's hopeless on a computer or anything like that, but she has a knack for it. She sees and values people. And this was brought out to me most keenly when I went to my son's leaving uh, party at school. Um, and their whole year group were having a like year six leave, about to go into secondary school. And there was Samuel. He's got four or five of his mates around him. They're having a great time. Emma, who's two years kind of behind him, three years really, school years she she knew his group of friends which is like well I suppose you know Samuel's hanging out she might mix with Samuel and then she bumps into another group of these year sixes she knows them then she bumps into it turns out at this party Emma seemed to know all of the year sixes about 60 of them she knew more people in Samuel's year group than Samuel did that's who she was. 
Katie, who's nine, also, was placed with us as in foster care from October 2014. And she came to us because several other placements had all broken down because she'd been aggressive and violent and abusive. So at the end of October, when the next placement broke down, we said, my wife and I, we'll look after her until the next placement is sorted out. And we expected a bumpy few weeks, which we got. Um, And we saw the anger, we saw the pain, we saw and experienced the abuse and the shouting and the raging. And she was found another placement just before Christmas, which she went to. But then in March, that kind of all went wrong as well, for the same sort of reasons. So we said, well, she can come back to us and we'll do the same again. But this time, something had changed in us. And we thought, well, can we really watch this happen over and over again? Or shall we let and ask for her to stay? And that was what the Lord led us to. And I firmly believe it was the Lord's love that was put in us for that child. It's a crazy, illogical, irrational love almost. So we asked if she could stay with us. Now, which of those two situations or people are more deserving of God's offer here which type of person might God have given his one and only son for neither is more deserving the provision is for us all this is very clear in John 3:16 whoever believes it's not about how good you are or whether you've made it to a certain point that is the acceptance cutoff It's a wonderful revelation that God makes no distinction. He says, you've sinned. I've given my son. That's it. Whoever believes. So we come to the fourth one. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes shall not perish. And this is the fourth point I'd like to draw, lesson four if you like, and that is this. There is, by grace, and I believe it's the only way, by grace, always a way back from a difficult or disastrous situation. And it's an amazing thing that God has done for us. We have this offer, this grace. Now I'd like to just say a little bit more about 
Katie as I pick up from that placement story. A couple of weeks ago, Katie was sat in our dining room doing something, just coloring or something like that at the table. I'd asked her to stop and come and do something else. Um, It might have been something, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it might have been come and wash your hands for dinner or something like that. And she decided that no. She was busy now with what she was doing, and that was that. And so this pattern, this outburst, started. They tend to start fairly quietly, you know, no, I'm not doing that, but you have to follow through and you have to kind of um, go with it and say, no, come on, you need to do it. And so she got herself to the point where she was doing the aggressive, wanting to hit and bite, and needing physical restraint in order to stop hurting one of the others or hurting herself. After about 45 minutes, goes quiet. And she says, can I help with the washing up? And then you know it's over. Now, when she's in that state, there's no reasoning with her. There's no point trying to argue, in a sense, or try and kind of put any rational words or thought into it. It just doesn't work. Can we turn to Luke 15? Now, this is a very familiar passage to many of us. Page 1049. Luke 15. And verse 17. This is the parable of the lost son. So here's this guy. He decides, uh, basically in a nutshell, he says, Dad, I hate you. I just want your money. Um, Give it to me now so I can um, go off and um, just spend it and have some fun. And he does so, and he gets to the end of all that, and he does, and, and then we pick it up in verse 17, and it says this, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So he comes to his senses. It's a difficult situation he's in. But he recognizes his father will be gracious. It's worth going back. It's worth a try. We know with even more surety as we look at that John 3.16. God has given his son for whoever, so that's me, that's you, will not perish. So there's a promise. So we can approach with confidence because of this grace. So however bad the situation's been, we can come back because of the grace of God. And when Katie comes down from those times and, and, and is seeking that forgiveness, we can say, yes, here it is. You don't deserve it. 
Yeah, things are lying around broken, people are hurt, people have been harmed, but actually, by grace, we can say, let's pick this up again. You're accepted, you're loved. And then finally, the last lesson, lesson five. The last part of this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I could start a whole new sermon here, but I won't. (laughs) Um, So many things that we're taught um, as we go along, isn't there? God teaches us. And this is really the fifth point. God disciplines me as I live the life. I'm learning. Just like my children are learning, I'm learning stuff about God. A few couple of months ago now, um, Paula and I were called to a panel with social services. They wanted to make a decision about whether we should keep the three girls in our care. So we've got Katie, who's nine, Vicky, who's seven, Sarah, who's six. Should we keep them while they are in their childhood? Should we raise them to adulthood? That was the decision that was being taken. And the panel decided that, incredibly, They would trust us with this and the three children would be placed into our care. Now, when we went back home, what could we say to those three girls? We could say, look, here's the deal. If you manage to be good, if you go to school, if you do your reading, If you eat all your dinner, you can be part of our family. But that wasn't what we said. We said, it has been decided you are part of our family. All you've got to do is live it. That's it. There's no strings attached. There's no hoops to jump through. There's no ongoing Routine that must be catered for. The decision is made. And that's very much like the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's done. Jesus has done it. That price is paid. Our forgiveness is assured. We just have to live it. We can't affect it. We can't say, well, my forgiveness, yeah, yeah, I kind of get that a bit, but I know that I've got to go to church, I know that I've got to read my Bible, I know I've got to pray. It's not working that way around. And this is something that I guess I've learned as I've seen my kids grow up and seen those sorts of positions. I'm eager to read my Bible, I'm eager to pray, I'm eager to come to church because... Of what has been done. Not the other way around. 
So I'd like to conclude with two very short stories which indicate a response, a response that we might have to God, a response that I might have to God through a response that um, I see these two children making in their lives. And the first is this. You may remember earlier on when I was speaking, I spoke about Vicky and having had that lovely breakfast and had all that done, she was shouting and screaming about not being loved. That was the morning. At the end of the day, she said this to me. When I see my social worker, I'm going to ask her if I can change my name from Vicky Harnett to Vicky Robinson, which is our family name. She wanted to bear the name. She'd moved all that way in a day. Well, I'm sure she'll move backwards and forwards. I'm sure there'll be times I'm not that naive. But the point is this. She wanted to bear the name. And that struck me. Do I want to bear the name of Christ? Do I want to change my name to be, not Paul Robinson, but Paul Christ in. Paul Christian. Paul Christ's. Yeah, I think I do. I definitely do. So I will live that life. And then perhaps even more uh, telling was this response that I got from Sarah. She's six years old. She knows she's going to be part of our family while she's in her childhood. And she said this to me. Can I call you dad? Can I call you dad? In a sense, that's the kind of ultimate response of us to God, isn't it? Can I call you dad? The one that's going to provide, the one that's going to protect, The one that's going to care. The one that's going to pay. The one that's going to absorb all the cost when it comes to needing forgiveness. The one that's going to give ultimately that eternal life. Can I call you dad? I wonder if we just spend a few moments in quiet to reflect on those things.